On a cold November morning in 1984, Parveen Pasha sat shivering on a stoop of a building in Borough Park, Brooklyn, a building she didn't live in. Parveen and her three children had just arrived from Pakistan with little money and even fewer prospects. They were sleeping on the living room floor of a friend of a friend's place. But that morning, he had told them to leave. This is Shaheen, Parveen's youngest daughter. And my mom just said, I don't know what to do. I have no job. I have no home. I have nothing. And I'm going to be going into a homeless shelter. But then Parveen heard the plodding footsteps of someone walking toward her. She was this tall, white woman. She was kind of heavy set. I remember her in slippers and a house coat, but I can't remember anything else. The woman motioned to Parveen and said, come with me. And my mom was just speechless. This is Home Made, an original podcast by Rocket Mortgage about the meaning of homes and what we can learn about ourselves in them. I'm Stephanie Fu. In this episode, The Landlady. The first time Shaheen's family came to America was in 1976, before she was born. They settled in Flushing, Queens. My dad was very ambitious. He, you know, had lots of hopes and dreams of coming to the U.S., getting an MBA, being successful, and then, you know, going back to Pakistan um, in glory. But American colleges wouldn't recognize her dad Syed Nassim's Pakistani degree. So he couldn't pursue that MBA. And then he had a mental break. The family didn't know it at the time, but Syed Nassim had schizophrenia. It was just sort of constant dance. And when he was better, he would immediately go get a job and he would come home and he'd be singing and he'd buy like fruit and, you know, like all these things. And then it would change. He would sit in darkness. He, would, he wouldn't talk. He'd stay up all night. And so um, I was kind of born into that environment. Everything fell to Shaheen's mom, Parveen. Back in Pakistan, she was a highly qualified medical scientist. Here, she worked in a lab doing blood work. Over time, the strain on Parveen was too much. So after eight years, in early 1984, the family moved back to Pakistan. Parveen and Syed Nassim would be able to find better jobs, and they could count on support from family. But almost immediately, the Pashas realized they didn't belong in Pakistan anymore. I remember some of the kids would be, would you know, bully me because they would call me um, this American kid. Like, why are you here? They were caught between two cultures, unable to gain a foothold in either one. Because they lived in America for so long, the kids couldn't speak fluent Urdu. So local schools wouldn't take them. International schools were too expensive. So the kids sat at home. Shaheen's dad was still unwell. Parveen still had to support the whole family. And relatives weren't as available as they expected to look after the kids. So after only six months in Pakistan, Parveen quickly decided to come back to America. But that decision was followed by another heartbreaking one. She knew that at the time my dad was really ill, so she wasn't, she was like, I can't bring him back with us, knowing that I can't take care of him right now. But years later, she, now, she says that that was honestly the hardest thing she has ever done. They returned on Thanksgiving Day, 1984. A friend of a friend agreed to let them sleep on his living room floor. And Parveen enrolled the kids at schools the following Monday. Once she did that, he's like, look, you can't stay here. 
I'm sorry, you, this was your choice. You came here without a husband. You came here, you know, not having any money, not having a job, and we can't support you. We are all struggling. And he basically said, you and your family are going to have to live in a homeless shelter. And this is how Parveen came to be sitting on the stoop of a building in Borough Park where the Pashas had lived before. She was out of options, but she didn't want to take her kids to a homeless shelter. A former neighbor walked by, noticed Parveen, and they chatted for a bit. The neighbor listened to Parveen's story and said she might know someone who could help. A few minutes later, an older woman came down the block towards her. As she did, Parveen recognized her. She was the landlady of another building the Pashas had lived in before they'd left. The landlady told my mom, my apartment is a four-bedroom apartment. You and your family can, can move in with me until you sort yourselves out. I mean, my mom was stunned. I mean, she knew the landlady. We paid her rent, but she, they hadn't. They weren't friends. And she, she was like, "No, you know, I, I won't, you know, live for free. I'll give you money." She's like, "You know, we'll talk about that later." But you know, for now, get let's get you off the stoop, and you come. I'll show you my apartment. You guys, and then when your kids come home school, you bring them home here. The landlady lived alone. She was a widow, so she told Parveen to make herself at home and use as much space as she needed. But Parveen insisted on using only one room. And then she went to go get the kids from school. Shaheen remembers walking into an apartment that smelled of beer and cigarettes. I remember walking in and like making a face at my mom and like kind of waving my hand in front of my face. And my mom gave me the um, the Asian mom look. That look look where you better shut up, right? And not say a word. But it's it smelled, and I, I remember that. That's the first thing. And then we wound up in this little um, this room, all of us together. The family of four camped out there as Parveen looked for work. They lived on a diet of yogurt and canned chickpeas. And six-year-old Shaheen was told to stay out of the landlady's way. I remember sitting there watching TV with a beer in her hand. And every time I walked past her, like I was really curious about you know who she was because I wasn't supposed to bother her. She always like would smile and like just kind of wave at me. Aww. I mean, I just thought she was a nice lady. After a few weeks, Parveen found a job at a blood collection lab. And on payday, she offered her first paycheck to the landlady. My mom put it in her hand. The landlady looked at it and then put it back in my mom's hand and said, go buy something for your children. Really, really kind of her. Yeah. My mom was was supremely grateful. After only two months, Shaheen's mom was able to get a one-bedroom apartment. And it was time to go. All thanks to the landlady. Do you remember saying goodbye to the landlady? I don't, I don't remember saying goodbye. I don't remember leaving. I knew that one minute we were there and then the next minute we were in literally an apartment building down the street. Eventually we found it was, you know, infested with mice, but my mom was proud. Over the next several months, the Pashas got busy. Work, school, getting resettled. So Parveen didn't keep in touch with the landlady. And then the following year in 1985, Parveen was passing through Borough Park. She ran into a friend who told her that the landlady had passed away. But her good deed would never be forgotten. It became a story Parveen would tell over and over again, one that would continue to live on for the Pashas. In 1986, the Pasha's fortunes began to change. Shaheen's father, Syed Nassim, rejoined them and got the right psychiatric treatment. So he could find a job too. The family moved into a bigger apartment, and Shaheen got into Brooklyn Tech, one of the best high schools in the city. And eventually, the family bought their own house in New Jersey. Shaheen went to college, then post-grad at Columbia. She became a journalist for the Wall Street Journal, CNN, 
reported from Dubai for Reuters. And then she returned to teach journalism at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. She got married, had three kids, bought her own home. So from so going from like a homeless kid in Brooklyn to being a professor and a homeowner with three kids. Yes. A real true American, American dream success story. Absolutely. It really is something, you know, where I, I don't take anything for granted because I can see where we came from. To Shaheen's mother, these accomplishments were thanks to one person. We always, in moments of like, you know, suffering or moments of like struggle or anything, like my mom would always say, you know, believe in God, God sends help, look at the landlady. We would maybe would not have been as successful if we had to struggle that way, if our life had taken another turn, if she hadn't found us. Basically that there is good in the world because of the landlady. Absolutely. She always, always says that. The story of the landlady was part of family lore. The struggle was over. The family had achieved what they came to do. But little did they know that they would come to rely on the landlady all over again, years later, in 2017. So set the stage for me. What's going on in America in 2017? It was not a fun time. It was definitely not a fun time to be uh, a Muslim. It wasn't a fun time to be um, an immigrant or a brown person. It was even less fun for Shaheen's children, who are also Muslim. They're watching people with tiki torches. They're watching people talking about Muslim bans. And for them, it really hit hard because, you know, they they call themselves, you know, Pakistani-American because of the culture, but they've never been to Pakistan. Their home is America. This is where they belong. This is where they're from. And they were watching people on TV at these rallies and statements being made about how they weren't real Americans or they need to go back home. Islam is our enemy. To try and make sense of this, Shaheen wrote an article about one of her sons and his fears for USA Today, an attempt to foster a discussion around what America was becoming. But it had the opposite effect. Conspiracy theorists came after Shaheen and her family on social media. They didn't believe Shaheen's son was a real person, so they tried to track him down. There's like, (laughs) you know, very few Pakistani families in Amherst. So it wasn't going to take a long time if anybody really wanted to find us. So that was a really kind of scary time. Shaheen had to warn her son's school. And then someone found an image of him taken when he was six and stamped the word Islamist over it. Shaheen had to get off Facebook to protect her family. The incident was traumatic for all of them. She was living in a constant state of fear and mistrust. And it didn't matter that she lived in Amherst, Massachusetts, a very liberal, progressive community. It was so inclusive that it made you felt ex- feel excluded. So you would, you know, walk in, you'd be the only person of color, and somebody would be like, we're so happy to have you because you <laughs> are diverse, <laughs> right? It's like, I don't feel good now, right? Yeah. You're our token brown person. Exactly. You make me feel better about myself. <laughs> exactly. Or people would namaste me in, like, Whole Foods, and I don't— <laughs> Did you feel like you didn't belong here? You know, I, I've never felt like I didn't belong here, but I felt like I was finding less and less motivation to say that people are good. And with my children increasingly asking me, why are people doing this? Why are people behaving this way? I didn't know how to answer that. She told these things to her mother. So Parveen said, think of the landlady, the woman who taught them about the good that exists in the world. But for the first time, Shaheen questioned the family's good luck charm. Why did she do it? Did she have a purpose? I was 
really feeling that sense of like, just rattled. That's the best way to put it. I would always say like, you know, I don't know who to trust. And for the first time in my life, in the midst of all of this chaos that's happening in this country and, you know, the heartache I feel looking at my kids, I started to doubt what her motivations were. On the other hand, Shaheen thought, if the landlady was as pure as her mother thought, shouldn't she be celebrated? Especially during this divisive time, shouldn't people be reminded of the good in the world? So Shaheen decided to find out. Who was the landlady? And why did she save the Pashas? But first of all, what was her name? We just called her the landlady. That bothered me because somebody that had such an impact on our life really did change the trajectory, whatever her motivations were, she should have a name. Shaheen is a journalist. Journalists can find people. The one thing she had was the landlady's address. So she started with the city's realty records, but they didn't have much info from the 1980s. But then one day, as Shaheen was feeding her son, a memory flashed through her mind. It was after school back in 1984. She was following her brother into the landlady's house. She looked down at a pile of mail fallen off the table, and she picked it up. And I remember seeing on the front of the letter the name Dorothy. And it was like, it was chills. And it was like almost like a voice said, that's her name. With the name Dorothy, Shaheen found a death record attached to the apartment for a Dorothy Volcomer. And then some luck. She came across a photographer who takes pictures of old cemeteries. In one of his books, she saw a gravestone with the landlady's name on it. So she called him up. He's like, you know, I remember taking that picture. It's in this little place in, you know, in Portage or something, Pennsylvania. Portage, Pennsylvania, not Brooklyn, New York. That was weird and unexpected, but it was good enough for more ancestry research. And this was it. Dorothy Volkamer, the daughter of poor German immigrants who was originally from rural Pennsylvania, a few hours from Pittsburgh. With that, Shaheen contacted various relatives until finally she was put in touch with a niece. Wow. So you're talking to her niece on, I guess, email. Email. Mm -hmm. What is she like? She's lovely. I mean, uh, Veronica was absolutely lovely. She's like, you know, I'll try to give you some what I know. In the midst of that, I'm, I'm still doing like record searches and things. And I was able to tell her things that she didn't know. Things like when Dorothy was a young woman, before she moved to New York, she had a premature baby in Portage, a son who didn't survive. That stunned Shaheen and made her feel even more connected with her. Her son had also been born premature and had nearly died. Veronica invited her to visit Portage, said maybe she could get a sense of who Dorothy was by coming to town. And Shaheen decided to take her up on it. Portage is named for the old Allegheny Portage Railroad. The trains came first for the area's lumber, and then the town became known for its coal. Workers came from all around Europe to work in the mines. Germans, Italians, Slovaks. The county Portage sits in, Cambria, has voted Republican in the last several presidential elections. The population is mainly white. Were you nervous about going to Portage? I was. I'm like, you know, what's my reception going to be like? I mean, Veronica seems really nice on the phone, but what if, like, you know, they all hate immigrants and they all hate brown people? I was terrified. Nonetheless, Shaheen had to go. She flew into Pittsburgh, rented a car, and drove toward Portage. As she approached the town, her fears ramped up. The GPS is pulling me into Portage, Pennsylvania, and the first thing I see is this giant billboard 
that says Trump is president, get over it. And I'm like, come on, are you serious? When Shaheen got out of the car, she stuck out like a sore thumb. And as I'm walking down the street, people in the cars are actually rolling down their windows to get a look at me and try to figure out who I am. As she lay awake that night, Shaheen questioned her decision to come to this unfamiliar town to find out more about a woman she didn't really know. When I opened that door and I saw Veronica, she like grabs me in this hug and it was like we had known each other forever. And I felt like family. Veronica took her to a cafe called The Chatterbox. A woman named Irene Hushek from the local historical society joined them. And then they talked about Dorothy's hometown. What else would you like to know about Portage? We were a society of... Shaheen wasn't expecting what they told her. And one of the other things I found was that, um, particularly for Dorothy, that the community, her, the way her family and her community lived was that they helped people that were struggling. So, you know, it was not uncommon for like a distant relative or some, a friend of a friend to, you know, to be struggling, lost work or whatever. And they would, they would take them in and help them. And they would, you know, that was sort of like the culture Mm. of this town. The loggers and coal miners who came to Portage were hardworking, but poor. In order for them to get on their feet in this new place, they relied on the kindness of neighbors. And they sometimes needed protection, too. Shaheen learned about a troubling aspect of Cambria County's past, the KKK. There were no Black people in the surrounding towns. But that didn't stop them from targeting other minorities. The Klan was going after Catholics and Jews. Mm. And so what was interesting was that families would hide the Catholic neighbors or the Jewish neighbors, and they just hide them so that they wouldn't be, like, threatened. And there was a sense of, like, this is our community, you know, and we're going to protect the ones that are different or, like, struggling. Did they address you directly? Like, look, this is, you know, Dorothy took care of you because we're a town of immigrants. Yeah. I mean, they said, this is this is what we did. You know, like a lot, if you look at a lot of stories, there was a lot of people housing people and taking care of people when things went rough and during the depression or whatever, this was what they did. And so she, this was what she knew. And that I think was this huge moment for me where I realized she wasn't doing it for anything other than that's what you do. Mm. And she didn't think about it. So she wasn't an outlier. She was actually a product of this very classic American town. Yeah. Exactly. After coffees at the Chatterbox, Veronica and Irene gave Shaheen a tour of the town, the places Dorothy might have gone when she lived here. And then they went to visit Dorothy herself at the cemetery. And so as I'm standing over there and I'm looking at her, I'm like, you know, this, you know, she's this white woman, German immigrant family. I'm this brown woman, Pakistani immigrant family. And I just felt like this complete connection there. And so I asked Veronica, I said, you know, would you mind if I did like a prayer, like a Islamic prayer over her? In the name of God, the infinitely compassionate and merciful, praise be to and, God. And, you know, Veronica was lovely. She's like, no, absolutely not. I think that's beautiful. So Shaheen recited the Fatiha, a Muslim prayer commonly said over graves, a blessing of those in the afterlife. And for Shaheen, a way to thank Dorothy. Not the path of those who have brought down wrath, nor of those who wander astray. Amen. That's beautiful. Thank you. So you went on this journey because you wanted to have faith in humankind again, basically. Yeah. Right? Did you get what you were searching for? I absolutely did. It was life-changing for me. Um, Kind of just goes back to what my mom always said, there are good people in this world. Has it actually changed, I don't know, not your 
worldview, but the way that you interact with people now? I think, you know, I was always pretty open as a person. And this was a, an unusual period in my life where I just kind of was very distrustful. But I think I'm less afraid to talk to people that are different from me or the people that I might think have um, other views or, you know, might be, might have, you know, some beliefs or ways of thinking that are different from mine. Did it give you a different way to comfort your children when they were upset? Yeah. I can tell my kids now that no, mom went on a journey to find out if there are good people in this world. And guess what? I found her, you know, and she's just one of millions of good people in this world. I guess you could also say to them that, you know, like with more confidence, like you do belong here because this is a part of the American story. This is a big part of the American story, even in like this very, you know, conservative red town or the coal mining town, like taking care of immigrants is part of what we do. Exactly. I mean, this, we're all part of this American story and, you know, we're all searching for home and searching for connection and we find it in weird places. Shaheen wasn't sure what she would find in Portage, but the visit changed her ideas about what America had become. It calmed her fears. Shaheen now teaches at Penn State, only 40 minutes away from Portage. When the pandemic is over, she plans to visit. She says she owes Veronica dinner. But when she finally goes back, she hopes to take someone else with her. So as soon as um, I met them, like, my mom wanted me to tell her everything. And she, she was saying that, you know, she's like, maybe I'll go down and, and visit, you know, Portage with you one day. That cold November day when Dorothy walked up to Parveen sitting on the stoop, she did what she would have done if they'd been in Portage. It wasn't an isolated act of kindness offered by just one person. It was the act of an entire community. People opening up their homes to those in need or sheltering those in danger, even people who didn't look like them, but who were following the same path in search of the same dream. You've been listening to Home Made by Rocket Mortgage. My name is Stephanie Fu. You can reach us at rocketmortgage.com slash homemade. Thanks for listening. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030.